0: It's a damn tough life full of toil and strife we whaler men undergo. And we don't give a damn when the gale is done, how hard the winds did blow. Cause we're homeward bound from the arctic around with a good ship taut and free. And we won't give a damn when we drink our rum with the girls of Old Maui. Rolling down to Old Maui, me boys rolling down to Old Maui. We're homeward bound from the Arctic ground. Rolling Hi, welcome to, to Higgledy Piggledy Maui. Whale Statements. I'm Mark.
1: And I'm Ben. Uh
0: today is our whalecore episode
1: whalecore powerful important musical genre that definitely isn't just music with a whale on the cover
0: uh and it's not even a lot of the music that we listen to this episode doesn't actually even fit that criterion
1: oh yeah no no whalecore um. is a whalecore is already a silly category and we're using this as a, a catch-all term for uh whale related music moby dick related music it's it's general it's quite general
0: yeah i think it's basically that we wanted to show that there is like good music associated with this book um but I, I think we also didn't actually want to try to go in depth talking about like any single piece of music because like neither of us is really um equipped to like discuss uh Either a metal album or a cantata in detail. Yeah, and which those are the two categories two the that we're, we're dealing with,
1: more or less. <laughs> I'd say those broadly yeah, cover yeah. the two flavors because there's a lot of uh, classical music or modern classical music or band music um, uh, composed about Moby Dick or inspired by Moby because it's you know it's a classic, it's the great American novel, etc. But there's uh, also a number of metal bands who think Moby Dick is totally metal and also uh there's a certain tradition of it that i guess we'll get into briefly yeah not, no, not I, metal please, historians here no so. talk about it yeah so no but I'm explain going to...
0: what whalecore is
1: to other people such as whalecore it what whalecore is such as whalecore is yes uh let me just make sure i've got the the dates here but basically uh The album Leviathan by uh, metal band Mastodon came out in 2004. It's theoretically a concept album, and I want to get into that because I think it's really funny, but it's theoretically a concept album based on Moby Dick, so hence uh, why it's sort of the centerpiece of this genre for us. And uh, also we excerpted a bit from, I think, the first song off of the album Blood and Thunder. It also got very popular on the internet. Uh, That specific song. So... Mastodon uh, have this album, uh, Leviathan. It gets popular, and at the time, there's a lot of consternation about what genre of metal this fits into, uh, what genre of rock. And I'm sure there is actually a genre that would now go, oh yeah, no, this was foundational to this, or this fits into this tradition. I don't know the very intricacies of metal well enough to say, but I do know at the time it was established by the fans that the genre was whalecore. Because there's a whale on the cover. And this was sort of a joking answer to, you know, stop arguing about what subcategory it fits into and talk more about the actual album. Uh, But it caught on and it was established that there is a metal uh, genre, subgenre, of albums with whales on the cover. And that's what makes something Whalecore.
0: I think this and, is great. I think more, uh, genres should be defined by the inclusion or exclusion of a specific element.
1: I mean, yes, but in this case, it, if you wanted something similar, it would be the inclusion or exclusion of a specific elephant. Eh? eh? Shut
0: up! <laughs> Shut up! Oh my god. Uh
1: Okay, podcast over. We're done I forgot
0: what you get like sometimes. Yeah, it's been a little bit since we recorded. I, like, moved. Um, I'm still trying to find a job. Uh, And I maybe forgot a little bit about what it's like to record a podcast with this joker.
1: I am not a joker. I'm a... I don't know. A jester. This is just gonna get worse as we start looking into other words that I could be, so I'm just gonna cut it off here. Um... You'll
0: accept, Jester. You don't need me to go. I'm not accepting it,
1: but I'm not proposing an alternative. I'm just. I'm not accepting it, not (laughs) proposing an alternative. Okay, so. uh, Mastodon's Leviathan is obviously, like, the core of Whalecore, because it's the thing that the term was built around. But then, uh, we've also got a few albums that are considered classics of Whalecore by the people on the internet who are invested in these things. Uh, These being uh Gojira's album uh From Mars to Sirius which is uh Well oh, that's very funny. Apparently Gojira was known as Godzilla from 1996 to 2001 and then became Gojira which is uh really funny to me actually. And then That is uh... very funny. Yeah, and then I, I don't Mar- think What?
0: I wouldn't do that. If my band was named Godzilla, and I learned about how it was actually pronounced in Japanese, I would not update the name <laughs> of my band. Uh,
1: well, I believe Gojira as a name has a, uh, has a relationship to whales. Like, whale is part of the name. So, it does make it more yeah, it, whale it's, core. Yeah, it's
0: Gorilla Whale.
1: Oh, that rules.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: Uh, also... If you'd asked me what animals original Gojira resembles, I wouldn't have gotten there. I would have had said something about a Elizabeth, yeah. probably.
0: Yeah, no, this is a uh, this is the thing. Uh you wouldn't think that Godzilla would be composed of two mammals.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I would not. And that just shows what I know. I'm I'm not a, a godzillologist. Godzillaologist. <laughs> all Godzilla. Uh, I can't get to zoology from there, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Anyways. Uh, uh, so, uh,
0: a mega zoologist. Yeah. I think the person who studies kaiju is a mega zoologist.
1: But the only thing that unites the mega beasts is their size.
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry, that's a really dumb in joke. Uh, but so, Gojira have an album from Mars to Series. It has a whale on the cover, but. That whale is either a, uh, is a baleen whale, very clearly. It's a white whale, so you could make the connection to Moby Dick there, but there's nothing really in the lyrics. It's an environmentalist album. It's got a song that uses whale song for vocals, and then apparently later whale core aficionados have taken the position that it's only real whale core if you have, uh, whale song vocals in the, uh, in the music. So metal with whale song instead Wait, of, but- uh... Yeah, you'll notice Leviathan doesn't do this at all.
0: Yeah, I was about to say. All right, then. <laughs>
1: this is this is what metal subgenres are like, as far as I can tell. Uh, you determine uh. what makes it a subgenre, and you just make sure that it's something that coincidentally does not overlap with the founding bands of the genre. Punk also does this. It's very uh. silly.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh yeah, so it is a concept album uh, involving uh, a dead planet, space travel, things like that. Uh, it's not super whale-ish other than uh, having the whale vocals and the whale on the cover. Um, and then the third uh, album I listened to for, uh, for this podcast episode uh, is the band Ahab and their song The Call of the Wretched Sea. Which, um, you know, it's from 2006, so it's from slightly after these other ones. And if you wanted something that really was going in the direction of Moby Dick from Whalecore, this whole thing is a concept album. Most of the lyrics are pulled directly from the novel. Uh, The, uh, everything about it is just in, I mean, they're, they're called Ahab. The band's called Ahab. I don't know why I have to explain this further they're extremely yeah, it does whale seem pretty core, inarguable. Specifically, Moby Dick core. Moby core? Yes. Sure. Uh, white whale core. Uh, what, sure. What were you- what were you deciding not to say?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying we need to <laughs> avoid dick core at all costs.
1: Yeah, no, that was also what I was thinking, and, uh, I- I- yes we are of one mind here uh
0: so the things i listened to um let's see so i didn't actually i we both listened to leviathan uh Mm -hmm. because i guess that's sort of the like original um but other than that all the things i listened to were not metal i listened to two like uh or, uh, one like orchestral and one choral work and i mm-hmm. listened to uh, a, a a folk album um mm-hmm. uh let's see yeah so the album is wailing and sailing songs from the days of moby dick by paul clayton uh which came out in 1956
1: yeah i think um, that and one's i the- think
0: the image on
1: oh so sorry sorry no, I was just saying. I think that's the earliest of the uh, of the works we're listening to, maybe.
0: No, it's not because the other two oh. are both older. than oh, I. Oh, okay. The... Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's uh, the the picture on the album cover, I think, is maybe supposed to be, uh, Gregory Peck as Ahab.
1: You say here? Can I send you a picture, be... Ben? Yeah. No. No. Send it across. Oh, yeah, no, that's a, um... That's like a, a cartoon, but it's definitely got some of the qualities of, uh, Peck's Ahab.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um,
1: You're not wrong. Like, it's definitely that kind of younger Ahab.
0: Okay, Okay. some technical difficulties there for a second. Um, yep,
1: but they're all dealt with. Anyways, yeah, no, I agree yes. that that's, that, uh, cover of, um... Uh, the Sea Shanties album, is meant to be uh, Gregory Peck as Ahab.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Just looks very similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I listened to that album, and it's not, uh, there's not a whale on the cover, and it's not really purporting to tell the tale of Moby Dick at all. It just gratuitously has Moby Dick in the title, and I think we decided that was fine.
1: Yeah, and also Um, it's it's selling itself on its Moby Dick connection.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, then the other two things that I listened to, um, I listened to a cantata uh, in ni- from 1938 by the composer Bernard Hermann. Uh, I think that's how his name is pronounced. It might be like Hermann. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, a, a, a cantata being like, um, you know, like a, a work for a, a chorus. Um, mm-hmm. and an orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, uh, this one does kind of, like, tell the story of Moby Dick, although very, very broadly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then I also listened to a concertado, which is, I, I realized when I actually listened to it, I was thinking about it as a longer piece, because I think I was thinking of a concerto. And a concertado, this one is, like, ten minutes long. Uh, um, ah. so it's, it's almost, I mean, it's literally... It's literally shorter than uh, one of the songs on Leviathan.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, look, long songs are a real standard of the kinds of metal that Whalecore does.
0: Yes, uh. um, and, and that piece, uh, that piece, Concertado for Orchestra, Moby Dick, uh, is from 1952 by composer Peter Menon. Um Nice. So yeah, those are those are the things that I so listen there's, there's... to. That's that's my whale core. <laughs> yep,
1: yeah, and there's there's one other whale core thing that I listened to, which was actually a uh, like a wind uh, ensemble um, piece from I want to say 1986 called "Of Sailors and Whales," uh, premiered in 1990, but was uh, composed I think in 1986, um, which is uh, similarly. Very, uh, I mean, it's telling the story of Moby Dick very broadly. It's got like five sections, and uh, what's really funny to me is that uh, Ahab's album, The Call of the Wretched Sea, is also a, I believe, five section. Um, oh no, there's seven, but it's close enough, and is similarly just a number of chunks of Moby Dick, uh, chosen not necessarily in order, but arranged to make this general communication of the novel. And it's interesting to see the various different decisions that these different uh, musical adaptations have made in uh, how they organize it. Like, uh, this wind piece of Sailors and Whales, uh, subtitled Five Scenes from Melville, Um, it calls itself Scenes, but it's divided by characters. Ishmael, Queequeg, Father Mapple, Ahab, and the White Whale. Uh... And so I, I definitely preferred the Ahab and the White Whale sections. Uh, Ishmael and Queequeg were okay. And uh, Father Mapple was interesting because I really feel like you only see Father Mapple sections in this sort of thing uh, after, or at least that I've seen, after the, um, the movie from the uh, 50s.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's an odd kind of emphasis on Father Mapple. That comes out there, I guess.
1: I blame Orson Welles.
0: <laughs> I mean he he did uh, he did an outstanding job there. It's true. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, in these cases, it also means that uh, there's there is a little bit of singing in the um, in this wood uh, like not woodwinds only, but wind uh, like ensemble piece uh, for the Father Mapple section with, uh, you know, the hymn that he, uh, you know, speaks during the sermon. And those, uh, those lyrics also get used by, uh, Ahab, um, in their, uh, in their lyrics for their funeral, uh, doom metal album. Uh, Where was that? That
0: also gets used uh the that um the the ribs and terrors in the whale. Yeah, yeah. The um, phrase the ribs and terrors
1: used... in the whale gets used a lot.
0: Yes, yes. Uh that's also in the cantata.
1: Nice, nice. So Father Mapple, very solidly established as part of the musical heritage of Moby Dick.
0: You know, in fairness, there's a part of Moby Dick where there's just a song in the text. Yeah, so it's understandable that people would want to include that in musical adaptations.
1: Yeah, no, it's true across a number of different uh, flavors of um, of whalecore. Uh. Uh, yeah, no. It- By the
0: way, there's a few. There's a there's a number of other things like not just obviously number of other albums with whales on the cover
1: or things that <laughs>
0: obliquely mention Moby Dick. But there's a few other like actual like full on musical adaptations that we just didn't listen to because there's a lot.
1: Yeah, no, we're we're not claiming to be experts on the general category of whale core. We just did a bit of a sampler. Also nobody can agree yeah. on what the category of whale core is, uh so I think we're in the clear <laughs> This is like you said, this is our whale core.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <sighs> so yeah. Huh. Do you wanna do you wanna talk about Leviathan, the one we both listen to? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh let me pull up the well, lyrics as um,
0: well. Um Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh-huh, let me do yep. that.
1: Most of the uh most of the things I listen to have their lyrics up on darklyrics.com which is a uh, hell yeah yeah it's a it's a metal lyrics uh, site it has a lot of things very few ads uh, it's almost certainly like a fan maintained thing and it is all light text on a dark background i just Beautiful. i, I adore i'm just
0: it. i'm just using uh, the classic purveyors of white devil sophistry genius.com um,
1: what a thing gets the say. job done also, I don't it's think a, Moby Dick. It's a has lyric. Not... Sure, I no, I believe you. I'm just saying, I don't think Moby Dick uses Genius.com. And if we're talking about a white <laughs> devil, uh, there
0: are there are there are significant chunks of Moby Dick on Genius.com. I believe.
1: No, no, I know, but I'm saying the whale Moby Dick is, is not the white purveying... devil. Yeah,
0: I get I get yeah. your joke. I yeah. get your joke.
1: <sighs> I
0: don't think Moby Dick engages in sophistry, though. Like he doesn't communicate. Which is part of the horror of him.
1: On the one hand, this is true. On the other hand, Ishmael is definitely doing it on behalf of Moby Dick sometimes.
0: May I just also say, um, the the sophistry on display for the lyrics of the album Leviathan is beautiful. By which I mean, like, on Genius, right? When you click on lyrics they are highlighted, it'll show you people's commentary. Um... Here's just some from the very first track, Blood and Thunder. Ahab's sole compulsion is to kill Moby Dick. As far as he's concerned, he has no other purpose. And I just think that's a great thing to include as commentary on a song, as though, like, people needed to be informed.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Um, so yeah, Blood and Thunder is definitely, I think, the most uh, popular and enduring song from this album. It's a banger. We used a clip of it uh, for, um, Ahab's speech in the quarter deck, actually, back when we were, uh, reading through the book in the main body of the podcast. Uh, we used yep, yep. a little guitar solo bit, which is very goofy, but I stand if, by uh, it.
0: Yeah, if I'm, uh, up for the challenge, I may include a clip from that episode
1: here, Aww. so people
0: can hear, I think it was you yeah, giving yeah, you an Yeah, le- yeah, you let me
1: read that. I, I greatly enjoyed it. It was incredibly doofy to do, but I stand by it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Blood and Thunder. What was
0: it? Was it the quarterdeck speech?
1: Yeah, it was the one where he talks about I'd strike the sun if it insulted me. Hark ye yet again, the little lower layer. All visible objects, man, are but as pasteboard masks. But in each event, in the living act, the undoubted deed, there some unknown but still reasoning thing puts forth the mouldings of its features from behind the unreasoning mask. If man will strike, strike through the mask.
0: Yes, yes, excellent.
1: Uh, And, you know, obviously that speech shows up in some of these lyrics. Uh, Though not so much in Blood and Thunder, which is uh, more about, like, Ahab's internal world and, you know, like... uh, um, you know, his speech to Starbuck about how there is something within him which is forever Ahab and which drives him on. Uh, it also uses, uh, some of the, um, actually, it must have been, like, Stub and his, like, the way he talks to his men on the boat. Or, uh, Starbuck, you know, asking him to split their lungs. Because that that's the line, uh, that I think people really remember from this song. Uh, oh wait, no, I tell a lie. There's split your lungs with blood and thunder when you see the white whale. But there's also white whale, holy grail, which... I mean, sure. Sure. The White Whale is the Holy Grail now. G- good for you, L- Mastodon. We've we've done it.
0: I do think, I think that's, I think the, like, you know, Ahab's quest is Grail quest. I think people do talk about that sometimes. But also, that it's a hilariously direct way of putting it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. <sighs>
1: yeah, no, it's, uh... I think the, like, the, the meme that uh, took off about this was about someone, like, being suddenly overcome with horrible and unreasonable fury. Uh.
0: Yeah, the, I have to be honest, I, I I don't mean this as a bad thing, but I was often struck by the straightforwardness of the lyrics on this album.
1: Oh, yeah, no, look- They made a Moby Dick concept album, and they finished their Moby Dick narrative in three songs and then had to go to a general sea monster vibe, so I don't think we can accuse them of being indirect. Yeah, no. This is Moby Dick in, like, a tenth of the time.
0: Like, a lot of the lyrics to these songs feel like just a kind of, um, not so much like sentences constructed to communicate a series of ideas as, like, a list of incredibly sick shit.
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, like, here's the thing. This ivory leg is what propels me. Harpoons thrust in the sky. Aim directly for his crooked brow and look him straight in the eye. It rules. It just rules. Does it communicate the complex nature of Ahab and his relationship to Moby Dick? Or, in fact, the meaning of Moby Dick to the universe in the novel Moby Dick? No! Not even a little. Who cares? It rules. It rules. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I think that's basically correct.
1: Like, there's quotations from the book, but they're just being used to be like, this line's real cool, guys. Like, guys, no, seriously, this line's cool. Um,
0: You know, lines like, I I no longer govern my soul. I, I... This may come across as a little mean. I don't mean it as a criticism. But listening to this album and like reading these lyrics, I really started to understand the context in which Coheed and Cambria exists. <laughs> like, go on. Every every bit of uh, Cody and Cambria (laughs) lyrics that Hannah has ever quoted to me sounds exactly like this. And this is quoted from uh, Naked Burn, track 7 on Leviathan. Apologize. Can we rise above it? Climb the line. It's a good endeavor. The ship's arrived. Let's sail into the weather. Our crying eyes. So, like, it's just, uh, it sounds very cool and evocative. But it's not even really sentences.
1: Let's yeah, sail into no, the it's, weather, um, our
0: crying eyes. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Mood, etc. Uh,
0: it's it it really is good. They, I I think it's like a, yeah, a no, really cool way to write lyrics. But it's yeah, very like it really for fits.
1: Me. It really fits the musical style, which is like crunchy, kind of gross guitar hooks being, like, really driving and energetic. It doesn't have quite the, um, absolutely, uh, unyielding, like, drill of some progressive metal, uh, drums. It's a little bit more chill than that, but it is really just, uh, loudly, gutturally shouting. Not quite, like, hoarse, like, uh, Cookie Monster vocals, in my opinion, but, you know, I'm not an expert on these, so I could be, I could be getting this stuff wrong, but, It feels a little closer to, uh, more standard singing. It really just wants to shout the lyrics at you, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Also, the concept of Moby Dick here is entirely, uh, there is a giant monster in the ocean, let's go fucking fight it. Yes,
0: yes, that is absolutely true. Although, interestingly enough, I do think some of the kind of, um, like, I suppose, spiritual themes of Moby Dick, uh, sneak their way in, in odd places, But I think it mostly is happening because talking about, like, God and the devil is cool as hell.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, As you pointed out when we were listening to this, there's there's a song on here that's just about, like, uh, the people coming to Iceland and worshipping Odin there and things like that. Like, really has nothing to do with Moby Dick, but uh, does involve an ocean and some things that are cool as hell.
0: Yes, yes. There's, uh, there's at least a couple songs that like just officially have nothing to
1: do with Moby Dick,
0: rather than mostly not mostly having that having... <laughs> much to do with Moby Dick, but having like a couple mentions. Um,
1: yeah, no, I like there's sections with like uh, you know, uh, dear Mister Queequeg, and like bits that are clearly there's signs that they really liked the book. I want to be clear. This is not. I don't think yes. they just randomly dug through the book for cool shit. Though that would have been perfectly legitimate. But at the same time, the way they want to describe Moby Dick is uh, a mountain put to sea built to slay and conquer all with teeth of beasts. You know, it's it's very straightforward. Moby Dick large, yes. Moby Dick teeth, Moby Dick kill.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, which is yeah, really Yeah, no, but I agree the... with you that Sorry, this go is-
0: this is clearly like some people who are actually dorks about Moby Dick in some way. Like yeah. what other reason would you have to make this?
1: <laughs> I mean, it does rule just objectively and separately from that. So, you know, maybe they just recognize Sure, that I'm mis-
0: just <sighs> I'm just saying Moby Dick doesn't sell generally. That's that's there, broadly fair. It would be hard to have a, it would be hard to have an ulterior motive for making a Moby Dick album. <laughs>
1: okay okay you're not wrong uh but yeah no so <laughs> very very briefly i do like that there's track to i am ahab that starts with some of ishmael's most ishmaelist meanderings going there's magic in the yes! water that attracts all men across hills and down streams like that that's not even a little ahab uh, that not even a bit but it is introspective and so i am ahab Works well. The thing is, they could have called this one "Call Me Ishmael" and it would have been a much better title, you know. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. No, I don't think you're wrong.
1: It is interesting
0: that they don't ever they don't ever say "Call Me Ishmael" on this album, do they?
1: I don't think anyone really uses "Call Me Ishmael" across because here's the thing: at least for like the metal albums we're looking at here. Of which we've only really got two. We've got uh, this one, and uh, we've got uh, The Call of the Wretched Sea, because, you know, uh, From Mars to Sirius isn't about Moby Dick, but I don't think Ishmael as a character is really entering into the conception of this book. It's all about Ahab, and I, for one, am here for it.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I guess I just meant that I feel like in other adaptations that we've seen, no one can resist using the phrase, call me Ishmael, right? It's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, no, you're not Um, wrong. You're not wrong. So it's interesting that it's absent here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, if what you're after is the sort of literary credibility of Moby Dick, call me Ishmael has that sort of literature-ness to it. Whereas if what you're after is like the yeah, fighting a whale element of Moby Dick, then Ahab, the one you want is Ahab.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong. Okay, well, do you want to move on to maybe discussing some of the other stuff we listened to?
1: I do want to very briefly mention one of the non-Moby Dick songs on here that I quite like. Uh, You know, the the music is good. I I do prefer the three uh, Moby Dick songs musically. They're like the best of the A-side. They're real good. But uh, Megalodon, I like just because the uh, lyrics are basically about like carnivorous mermaids or sirens and it's called megalodon which can only make me imagine a giant shark mermaid from hell
0: and you're like yeah giant shark mermaid from hell sign me up
1: look i read the book of the new sun a lot yeah
0: no look i agree with you giant shark mermaid from hell sign me up as well Uh, yeah
1: but, like, yeah, you know, it's called Megalodon, and the first two lines are, Myth or legend, nymph tale washed ashore. Uh, and later, um, uh, on rocks that glisten, harps to listen, comb hair, tear right to pieces, left to recess, a watery grave, sensing the blood of prey. So, um, yeah, no, a lot going on in there in that song. Absolutely nothing to do with Moby Dick, but I approve.
0: Yes. Yes. <sighs>
1: God, and then Naked Burn, the one you quoted, that's about the Nephilim? Like the Book of Enoch style Nephilim.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So That's correct. They just they go from oceanic super monsters to just generalized cool ancient monster stuff. You know, with maybe a Book of Job connection there.
0: Uh <sighs> Yeah, like um Nephilim do come up in the book, but yeah, no. Uh
1: <sighs> But yeah, so that's 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 Leviathan, the the heart of Whalecore. They managed to mostly be kind of about whales. They got a whale on the cover.
0: Yeah, it's a cool cover, also.
1: Yeah, no i i I like uh, I like that one. I like uh, Ahab's uh, Call the Wretched Sea. It's got a real good uh, Moby Dick drawing. No complaints from me. Yeah, good. Yeah, uh, I really do you like want the weird talk feathery that, pattern. Either? Oh yeah, we can go. I'm happy to go straight to that, though. I do want to briefly stop over in Kojira's uh, From Mars to Sirius. Um, as oh, mentioned. yeah,
0: sure. If you...
1: Yeah. As mentioned, not really about Moby Dick, so I don't, I'll be honestly, see a strong reason to uh, dig through the lyrics. I guess theoretically I could try and find something that could be Moby Dick, but that's not what it's about that's not really what it's doing uh it's got a bunch of uh cool imagery it's uh, more progressive metal a little bit i think harsher vocals at least for me i really quite enjoyed the instrumental track unicorn which is the fourth on the album and is the one that has uh, whale music or at least that i noticed having a whale song in it so um they are still very metal and very into like metal imagery but they are also into like the uh environmentalist magical whale magical space whales this is an album about magical space whales as one does
0: that's kind of cute like being into like cool like badass metal aesthetics and also into saving the whales is charming to me
1: yeah yeah no the um uh last song on the album is called global warming uh, but I believe it is about terraforming another planet for humanity to survive. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. A lot of got a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Gojiras from Mars to Sirius. Uh, honestly, it's probably my least favorite of these three albums, mostly because I was really excited for bizarre metal takes on Moby Dick, and it didn't have any. But it's perfectly good. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, Gajira, I, I hear you're a very influential metal band, so good for you. Huh. And then, yeah, there's Ahab and their uh, album, The Call of the Wretched Sea, which is the most Moby Dick fan of these albums by a significant margin. Uh, very, like, very sludgy, slow sound. Um... Harsh metal vocals, but mixed relatively quiet, which is something I always like. Uh, The band Agaloc also does this. um, And I do like a a slow but kind of melodic metal band. I'm actually going to see uh, um, King Buffalo and Howling Giant, who are both more on the melodic side of this with uh, non-guttural vocals, uh, this Wednesday. So, you know, this is, broadly speaking, my wheelhouse musically, uh, stuff I enjoy. Um... But in this case, it is very slow, very sludgy, very, uh, like, paced. It has a melodic element. I believe the specific sub-flavor they're described as is funeral doom metal. So. Not just funeral,
0: that... but also doom.
1: Yeah, well, doom metal is the, I don't think there is a funeral metal that isn't doom. It's like, you heard of doom yeah, metal. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about funeral doom metal?
0: Yeah, uh, that's I'm fair. I'm entirely. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. Wikipedia says that uh funeral doom is a genre that crosses death doom with funeral dirge music. It is played in extremely slow tempo, tempo, and places an emphasis on evoking a sense of emptiness and despair. God, the, the the band names in this section. Funeral doom was pioneered by mournful congregation, esoteric, Evoken, funeral Thergathon, and Skepticism.
0: Nice, nice. I'm
1: just internally losing it at the existence of a funeral doom metal band named Skepticism. I just think that's very funny. I
0: mean, maybe you should check them out, see if they're any good.
1: Eh, I'm skeptical. Eh, eh, eh? I
0: guess that was kind of a- I I guess I really did set you up for that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you really did. Okay, so, uh. and they do have a, call's of the Wretched Sea definitely has these qualities. It's got a solid amount of synth and sort of ambient elements. They've got a nice long lead into the first track that has, like, a little bit of woodwinds and stuff and uh, keyboard. So, it's, you know, it's very pleasant in a lot of ways, which you don't expect out of uh, a lot of doom metal like this. But the, you know, fu- funeral music tends to be sad, but pretty, like, easy on the listeners, you know? Dirges, things like that. Uh oh.
0: sure, I guess. I, mean, I don't I don't know that I have a clear sense of When you say funeral music, do you mean music actually played at a funeral or are you referring seems... to a subgenre of metal?
1: No, I mean music played at a funeral. They literally are using dirges as like a major inspiration here.
0: Okay, yeah, fair enough. I just do not have that much familiarity with dirges. I think I've only no, been to That's fair. I've only been to, like, two memorial services in my life, and one of them when I was a very small child.
1: And I don't remember the
0: music at the other one.
1: Yeah, no, I I just mean that my understanding of, like, classical dirges is they're not particularly, like, musically unpleasant. They're not trying to be discordant or anything, presumably because there's a sense that would be kind of mean to the people who are mourning.
0: Yeah, no, okay, fair enough. I guess I hear what you're saying. It's like a traditional form of music.
1: Yeah. But in any case, uh, Call of the Wretched Sea, um, these track titles are Below the Sun, The Pacific, Old Thunder, Of the Monstrous Pictures of Wales, The Sermon, The Hunt, and Ahab's Oath. So while they're not all literally named after chapters from Moby Dick, a bunch of them are. And the other ones are very yeah. recognizably bits of Moby Dick.
0: Yeah, I also love um, So I am now also looking at darklyrics.com yeah. uh, Very charming website um, And I noticed that for several of the songs it The credits for each song is yeah. Music by Ahab, lyrics by Herman Melville
1: <laughs> And yep, some of them yep. are
0: lyrics by other people uh, There are some songs that are not just quoting Melville's text But yeah, very cute to me uh, That Herman Melville is credited as the lyricist on this metal lyrics site
1: yeah, no, it it rules. So yeah, there's a number of um there's a number of uh songs that just use uh quotations arranged to make the uh make the lyrics. Um it's very much about like Ahab. He's clearly the main character. You know, they named their band after him, so not a huge surprise there. Uh definitely doing that thing of finding the really cool lines from Moby Dick and using them as lyrics. Good for them. Uh, and, yeah, you have to be pretty deep into being a fan of Moby Dick to reference the al- the uh, chapter called The Pacific. Uh, or Of the Monstrous Pictures of Whales.
0: Yeah, Of the Monstrous Pictures of Whales is the thing that really stands out to me as like, all right, these are my people.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we, we loved that bit. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe lots... I'll
0: listen to this.
1: Yeah, no, it's
0: like i i'm not i'm i'm metal is pretty alien to me that's why i took on some other stuff but um the way you describes this the way you just described this does make it kind of sound like something i could be into and you know as i said it seems like they're my people so (laughs)
1: uh yeah no this is they named their band ahab it keeps coming up because it remains true uh, so yeah they do have like i said very like harsh vocals but they're mixed relatively low um so that they don't overpower other stuff i quite like that when a band does that um so it produces a pretty good effect um they do have the sermon where they use the words of father maple's sermon um as the lyrics of their song although they do have it, this is really funny to me. So they've got the lyrics of, you know, the song which is about Jonah and the whale and deliverance, um, you know, ending with, I give the go- glory to my God, his all the mercy and the power. And then in the lyrics they have, in little uh, square brackets, Ahab, nevermore, which, wrong, wrong author there. Right century, wrong author, but very cute.
0: Yeah, I do love the idea of Ahab just like being there at the end of a sermon to be like, not
1: god yeah you're right that is that's what he's doing ah. yeah and they do um end the album with repeating the line god hunt us all if we do not hunt moby dick to his death so uh points for that that's a great line yeah also, I think they basically just quote, like, the last song, Ahab's Oath, basically is just quoting the oath from the quarterdeck. Now three to three ye stand, commend the murderous chalices, bestow them, ye who now are made parties to this indissoluble league. Drink, ye harpooners, drink and swear, ye men that man the deathful whaleboats bow. Death to Moby Dick, God hunt us all if we do not hunt Moby Dick to his death. That's pretty Yeah, much... I think
0: that is all right from the quarterdeck.
1: deck. Yeah. I think they've made a few little changes to uh, get the scansion right for them, but uh, nothing that I would complain about.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah.
1: So yeah, you know, uh, they are very much doing a specific thing, and if you don't want to listen to that thing, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you're interested in the thing they're doing, I think they do it well. Mm. Yeah. Also, the phrase, I turn my body from the sun, is clearly uh, exciting to lyrics writers. (laughs) Because <laughs> it's appeared a number of times. so yeah, that's the. I mean, it is a cool line. Yeah, that's the the metal representation in our uh, whale core. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so I guess my turn. Yeah. Um. So okay. Uh the the folk album, Wailing and Sailing Songs from the Days of Moby Dick. Um. This is. I mean. Basically, if you like the sound of, uh, an album of sea shanties, this is, this is a really good example of that. Um, and it's very like, it's very spare. It's just his voice and guitar and his, uh, like delivery is, is very, um, straightforward. Uh, which makes sense because I, I looked up a little bit about this singer because, um, I just didn't know anything about this album and I was curious, Uh, And It turns out Paul Clayton, um, he was like, he was like a folk singer in the 60s, but he was also um, like a a folklorist. He like collected uh, folk songs from, you know, like literally folk singers as in like people who sang non-professionally in like rural areas, right? Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he went around like collecting music that otherwise might have died out. Um and a lot of his music that he recorded was kind of like an attempt to preserve these songs as well. Uh, also, he grew up. Oh, nice. Also, he grew up in New Bedford, and his uh, I think. Oh, his, yeah, I believe his father was a whaler, um, or maybe his grandfather was. Uh, yeah, no. So his father was he's not from a whaler. A.
1: But he's from a whaling family of New Bedford.
0: Yes, exactly. And he was also a closeted gay man.
1: Congratulations. He is the correct person to have made this album.
0: Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, he also uh, suffered from serious mental health problems and uh,
1: took his own life. This just keeps getting more specific. Yeah,
0: it's wild. Because, yeah, like the songs on this album are not about Moby Dick uh they're just they're sea shanties they're very cool like i definitely recommend yeah, but going and like... listening to to it but none of them i don't think any of them is quoted in moby dick i don't think like some of them are about whaling specifically some of them are whaling songs
1: but it's an intensely ishmaelish pro- ishmaelish project and singer
0: yes no it's fascinating like he's he's an an interesting figure oh. also he may have been uh plagiarized by bob dylan
1: I mean, who wasn't? We, yeah, no. That, that's a dumb Well, thing.
0: I do think that there, there's a, a weird thing of, like, uh, you know, Bob Dylan's relationship to the rest of, like, the folk scene. Um,
1: yeah, I feel like this is yeah. not
0: the only case I've heard of someone having that complaint.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I did just look up uh, a review of "Whaling and Sailing Songs from the days of Moby Dick, but, uh, and it's um, on allmusic.com, and it says here that... Uh, The unifying element for these 20 songs was Herman Melville. In the wake of Clayton entertaining at the premiere of the 1956 John Huston movie, Clayton was asked to cut an album of sea songs that would have been known in Melville's time in the 1840s.
0: So it's literally promotional material for the movie. Yeah, yeah, this
1: is a tie-in for the movie. So when there's like, uh, you know, there was a version of it that was put out that has like a shot from the film, and that's because this was assembled by Clayton at the request of uh you know presumably the producers or the the promotional stuff around uh Moby Dick 1956.
0: Wow that's wild that's really cool I'm glad you found that information.
1: Yeah no and it it makes a lot of sense it uh it explains why the um (laughs) it explains why the album cover just straight up had Gregory Peck on it in cartoon and we were sort of like Oh, you know, it looks like Gregory Peck. You know, it's winky. No, that just, that was just because it was an actual tie-in.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, this is the most Moby Dick piece of music that we've encountered, despite being the one that doesn't have any Moby Dick-related lyrics.
1: Yeah, no, this is, this is absolutely the most Moby Dick of our Whalecore selection. <laughs> like, that's the thing, it's not intensely Whale, but it's intensely Melville.
0: Yes, yes. Unlike there are a bunch of whaling songs on it. Um.
1: Oh, no, no, I know, but it's not like, you know, Leviathan is all about whales and other large sea monsters, even if it's only like 20 to 30% about Moby Dick specifically. Yeah. While uh, Call of the Wretched Sea is all about Moby Dick and all about whales, but is not, uh, doesn't have the kind of historical claim this does. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's that, um, definitely, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, um, then, um, there was the, uh, cantata that I mentioned, um, which is very, like, Mm -hmm. uh, so extremely unsurprisingly because of what, like, the rest of the work of the composer is, it's very, like, cinematic, uh, it really gives you the sense of, like, a, a sweep of, like, a grand epic narrative, um mm, mm-hmm. and uh I think a lot of the lyrics in this one are also taken from the book. Uh very dramatically it begins with the lyric, and God created great whales. And like just imagine like a whole chorus, like oh. And God created Great Whales. It's so cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's very dramatic. Yeah,
1: no, that that's pretty great. Um <sighs>
0: But I, I'm not sure how much like, it is kind of a, like, almost, uh, like, triumphal narrative of Moby Dick, or I I guess it's sort of like, it's all about the <laughs> grandness of it, I think is how I would describe it. Um, mm. and there's also, there's a choice. Yeah, no,
1: there's, there's a tradition of that. And
0: there's a choice that's made in one of the, sure. um, one of the pieces that is very, like, compelling aesthetically, but that I think, like, makes the incorrect statement, um, which is that there is a version of the "Ribs and Terrors in the Whale," right? Like that hymn, which is a, a classic mm-hmm. hymn, and then yeah. Melville rewrote it to be about whales. So, and it's they're not singing that hymn; they're <laughs> singing obviously like a new compo- composition, but they they're singing the lyrics of that hymn, and using the lyrics, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it starts out much more like discordant and like scary, and it gradually becomes more sort of controlled and hymn-like. And so it gives you the sense that, like, as people are singing this song, they are sort of being brought further into God's light and, like, mastering their fear of the the terror of the whale, you know? Which is kind of what the song is about, but I feel like it's wrong to just have it work like that.
1: Yeah, now... To be fair to this cantata, and this is, I'm pulling this from the Of Sailors in Wales, like, program notes, which I've got in front of me as well for the uh, the little, like, the band composition from the 90s, which is only, like, 17 minutes, so it's a much smaller work. Um, It has uh, the Father Mapple section includes the quotation, This ended in prolonged solemn tones, like the continual tolling of a bell in a ship that is foundering at sea in a fog. In such tones he commenced reading the following hymn, but changed his manner towards the concluding stanzas, burst forth with appealing exultation and joy. So very explicitly, uh, in the book, when Father Maple is giving this hymn, he starts off sonorous and uh, sort of doomsaying, but he moves towards joy and exultation. So it's possible that they just went, Yep, ship it.
0: That's kind of what I'm saying, is that, uh, I guess, like, in certain ways, the cantata feels like a very literal interpretation. Um, despite obviously mm, yeah. being... it's not... Like, it, it, it is not, like, you know, a narrative, exactly, it, because it's, it's the, the, the words that exist in it are very, like, sort of brief snippets. Um, like, it represents events from the novel, but I wouldn't say it, like, adapts the novel exactly. Um...
1: Yeah, yeah, and though it does change the hymn, it does keep the, the tone of the hymn from that specific chapter where it's specifically connected to Father Mapple, the character.
0: Yeah, it just, it feels like it is sort of reproducing what you would see at the surface level of the things that it is doing in a musical form. And it's interesting that it can do that in a musical form. So that on its own, I think, is a like an accomplishment. Um. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like if you come away from that hymn thinking that Father Mapple has, like, successfully tamed the terror of the deep, then that's, like, a problem. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you need to be, uh, surrounded by the headstones of sailors who never made it home, and, uh, needs to wander out halfway through.
0: Yes, yes, Absolutely
1: um and then the uh, i remember when we when we read that section and we were having like discussions about how sincerely we ought to be taking the uh the sermon
0: yeah yeah no that's definitely something It was a good time it was a good time i feel like that's one of those cases where if i look back on it i might not agree with my own opinions anymore um yeah i
1: mean we were just beginning the yeah
0: book. no i don't have a problem with that i was just i was thinking about this recently because my parents have started listening to the show from the beginning and so I was thinking of myself, I know, it's really, really sweet, actually. um, They're listening to yeah, it. My... my mom has been listening to it while, like, working on sewing projects.
1: Oh, that's so charming. My, um, I think it's mostly that my parents don't, like, listen to podcasts, but my my mom has always been like, oh, yes, I need to tell other people about it, but uh, my parents have never expressed a, uh, have ever expressed that they are, in fact, listening to it. And it's sort of like, eh, uh, Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I get it if they just don't listen to podcasts at all, but I feel like I, I always appreciate it when- a, They listen to
1: NPR all the time.
0: <laughs> oh, well, you know, you know what? That's true. They do listen to- Your parents should listen to your fucking podcast. We're better than NPR.
1: <laughs> I thought no. you were about to say that we're basically NPR. No, we're better. We say Fuck. Sorry, I just the the mental concept of NPR, but you're allowed to say "fuck." is very funny to me.
0: Imagine Ira Glass saying "fuck."
1: It's hard. It's hard to imagine this fucking Ira American Glass getting life cut off in traffic.
0: Gosh.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. Also, I was about to say, uh, I think we're better than NPR. Of course, saying that is blasphemy in your parents' household. Nothing is better than NPR to your parents.
1: Yeah, I'm. I, that's not entirely true, but I do think that long-form audio edutainment cannot become better than NPR for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's maybe a, a better way of putting it. Also,
1: I just described us in the most cursed way possible, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> yeah, long-form audio edutainment. I mean, look, if we're trying to look at us in the same category as NPR, I think that is what it is. Uh, I think maybe I've brought this on myself by implying that we would be a substitute for NPR.
1: Yep, you are now a uh, peddler of long-form audio and edutainment about classic American novels. I
0: mean, yeah, that's true. I can't pretend that I'm too cool when my podcast is about Moby Dick.
1: (laughs) It's a, you know, like many things in Moby Dick are to Ishmael, it's a nice way of uh, preventing the swelling of the head.
0: Yeah, no, it keeps us nice and humble.
1: (sighs) I've never been humble in my life.
0: That's so True. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: i'm pretty sure i've talked on this podcast before about how you don't feel shame um
1: yeah it's it's possible but since i don't feel shame about it i'm always fine saying (laughs) yeah
0: uh
1: i've told this to uh fellow grad students in my program and they're always just sort of like broadly uncomprehending
0: yeah i don't There are not a lot of people out there who comprehend this aspect of your personality. Even I, like, I'm your best friend, and I've thought about this for years, and I would say I understand it, but I understand it in an external kind of way. I would not say that I comprehend
1: it. (laughs) Uh, It's fun having holy mysteries of me.
0: I know, it's insane. Uh. (laughs)
1: Like... Uh, in certain so ways we... in certain Sorry, ways I'm a to...
0: very weird person, but in certain ways you are so much weirder than me. Uh.
1: And they're ways I own. Yeah. No. Shall we move on to from the cantata? You're, you're a
0: cool guy. Yeah, so uh or so that was the Thank you. Yeah, so I basically discussed I think what I had to say about uh Moby Dick the Cantata. Um mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the composer, uh, Bernard Herman, um was like Uh, Composed a lot for um, film, uh, and I guess was especially Mm -hmm. known for collaborating with Hitchcock. Um, So, some extremely famous work uh, there. And I Mm -hmm. think this cantata is, like, probably one of his least famous works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, um...
0: I mean, the man did the uh, Psycho soundtrack. Like... Or not the Psycho yeah, soundtrack, yeah, but the Psycho no, um, score.
1: Yeah, the... the Yes, uh,
0: yeah. He, yes, exactly you're not,
1: that. You're not going to get more influential than that with a Moby Dick cantata.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> not in this time. It's pro- right? I, I'm sure there exist, like, film score moments that are, like, equally famous... And like, I'm not really knowledgeable on films, so there's probably things I'm just not thinking of. But like, yeah, yeah. same, same. But but like, that's a very very famous one. Uh, f- oh
1: yeah, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Like that's famous enough that you can just vaguely make the noise and people know what you mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that which puts it in a rarefied category. Of things like the from uh, Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah, and like uh,
1: Jaws. Oh, yep, yep, there's also that. But yeah, no, it's, um, there's some extremely successful movies that have, like, little musical stings that just stick with you. And the, uh, the, the Psycho Strings, I think that's actually the TV Tropes page for that specific sound. It has its own TV Tropes page, which is such a... God, I recently ran into the word blurst again, and it's the only word for it.
0: Yeah, TV Tropes. I mean, like... I probably wouldn't be who I am. Don't go there. No, Nobody don't go, go there. there. I probably wouldn't be who I am today without don't... TV tropes. But that's a shameful thing to admit.
1: See, I wouldn't find it shameful. I... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was. I mean,
0: did you ever well, make
1: incredibly smug? Did
0: you ever make this troper posts? Because that's something that I did.
1: No, because I I used wikis a lot, but I very rarely added to them. With a couple exceptions, I think I posted a little bit on Rational Wiki, the Skeptical Wiki, uh, back in the day, and I did also vandalize Conservapedia in a way that has lasted into the present.
0: Yes, that is that is one of your minor accomplishments. Um, sorry. Now I feel like mm-hmm.
1: oh, I ma- that actually reminds. Go on. What?
0: No, no, it's good for us to digress.
1: Oh no, just. No, no, this reminds me of a song that we didn't have on the list, but it is, I've realized, a whale core song of modern popular music, which is uh, the Decembrists' uh, Mariner's Revenge song, which ends in the belly of a whale and involves, like, vengeance and murder, but is, like, deeply not Moby Dick. Like, it's, if you wrote a penny dreadful, inspired by the existence of Moby Dick without reading Moby Dick, you'd produce uh, the Mariner's Revenge song, which is basically the Decemberists' like, vibe in that album
0: yeah yeah
1: that Uh, makes sense yeah it's a it's a long song it's pretty good i i admit over time i've become less enamored of the december super long songs except for uh the island from crane wife which remains their best song um one of their best songs it's i'm a huge dork and i like the decemberists but uh yeah
0: i was about to say uh, we uh, can hear ben entering decemberist mode
1: I'm not going to go deeper into it, I'm just saying they have a whale song, a song about whales, or that involves whales, that is very clearly Moby Dick flavored, but it's like the way Cheetos are cheese flavored.
0: Yeah, so uh, there's also the final thing that I listened to, the concertado, which was, Mm -hmm. I mean, so, like, that's an instrumental piece, like an orchestral piece, and uh, also, like I said, it was ten minutes long, so, I mean... Yeah. I do think it gave me a sense of, like, the drama of a whale hunt. Uh, but it's hard for me to really comment on it beyond that. Um, I'm not great at talking about instrumental music. Um. I,
1: It's hard. It is hard to do. Um, I do have a few thoughts on the instrumental piece that I listened to of Sailors and Whales, five scenes from Melville, that we touched on earlier as well. Oh, yeah. But not a ton. Like... Uh, the main thoughts are, the program notes are a number of just classic quotations from Moby Dick. Weirdly, part one, Ishmael, I go to sea as a simple sailor, rather than call me Ishmael. Um, I think that's probably actually for historical reasons, which is that the work is sub-dedicated to Robert Lannan White, commander, U.S. Navy, retired, who went to sea as a simple sailor.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So, like... Yeah, it's cute. That's that's pretty clearly where that program note comes from. Um, part two, Queequeg, uh, you know, quoting from the book, maybe in a, in a not particularly thoughtful way, it was quite plain that he must be some abominable savage, but Queequeg was a creature in the transitory state, neither caterpillar nor butterfly. And that's like, you know, one of the more condescending moments of the book towards Queequeg, so as a choice thumbs down on that. One.
0: Yeah, there are some much cooler uh, things you could say about Queequeg.
1: Yeah, no, like even some like even the phrenology bit talking about his head shape <laughs> is less condescending towards Queequeg.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong, which you is know, a wild the brow thing of a to George say. Washington. Yeah.
1: No, it is. It is. Uh we talked about the Father Mapple section, which is the hymn and, you know, trying to do the hymn directly. Uh the Ahab uh section is like um you know it's i mean it's it's old thunder it's it's bombastic it's got you know the uh the loud sounds the horns the stuff like that it's it's the kind of thing i really enjoyed playing in band class so a plus for me i approve is that give the students what they need which is a chance to be super loud
0: is that why you were like familiar with this or
1: no no I, someone recommended it i never played this in band ah okay Would have been cool, though. Yeah. Uh, We tended to do pretty serious uh, music, actually. Like, we did, um, I, my high school honor band was uh, quite solid, had a pretty strong program, um, had, like, a pretty solid body of, uh, you know, instruments and students. We practiced pretty consistently. It wasn't, like, you know, anything, like, professional. I was, uh, and I was never fantastic at the flute, but I really enjoyed playing it in the band and then, uh yeah no it was nice um but yes the bombastic things i'm trying to remember the uh like the the classic like um like the opium dream uh suite by someone whose name i'm not remembering but it's like a really famous like 19th century thing which involves an opium dream where he then imagines his own uh execution um it's wild but like pretty fun and interesting uh classical music pulls that could be uh transcribed to bands so we had some of those nice uh i think the most interesting section in terms of like the decisions that are made both in terms of how i had this described to me when someone pointed it out as something we could listen to and just for my own listening is the last section the white whale um which is uh i mean the selection in the program notes basically describes what this section is doing Moby Dick seemed combinedly possessed by all the angels that fell from heaven. The birds, the birds, they mark the spot. The whale, the whale, up helm, up helm. Oh, all ye sweet powers of air, now hug me close. He turns to meet us. My god, stand by me now. And specifically, this is like, this has like, you know, low heavy horns and like, you know, a big... Not necessarily bombastic, but like a ponderous sound for Moby Dick. And then the woodwinds, you know, your flutes and piccolos, are doing all of these little curlicues and arabesque sounds um, like uh, for the birds that fly around Moby Dick and land on him. The, like, the white birds that fill the sky above him. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, Which is always a visual detail that's cool. And yeah, yeah, no, it sounds cool. And it's interesting because it really makes for a solid difference between ahab's bombast and moby dick's bombast
0: Mm, yeah that makes sense
1: uh it is but it is definitely a more joyful sound than you'd expect for like meeting the white whale but i do think it's an interesting it's an interesting decision and that's really what we're here for
0: yeah cool
1: (sighs) yeah so last three sections father mapple ahab and the white whale stuck with me Much more than the first two. I cannot tell you the difference between the Ishmael and Queequeg sections just by memory. Uh, So yeah, you know, it's a... It's fun. It's for wind ensembles and uh, has been uh, performed quite a few times. Cool. uh, By various, like, state bands and university bands, according to the uh, windrep.org, the, like, repertoire wind uh, ensemble music site. Very cool. Yep, the Wind Repertory Project.
0: Now that sounds like a website. So yeah, that's...
1: Yeah, no, it's a website. It's it's old, it's visibly old, it works, it does what it wants, it has a little donate button at the top and no ads. It's genuinely just a balm to my soul to be on a website like that. Dark Lyrics has a similar vibe.
0: yes. Yes.
1: Uh, dark lyrics is clearly formatted for mobile and this is not but you know i'll forgive dark lyrics for that
0: (laughs) well i guess that's all the music that we listened to isn't it
1: yeah and some we didn't yeah uh, (laughs) including that december song that i remembered
0: yeah well i i uh Uh, i guess it might be about time to call this episode then um uh we Yeah do no-, no
1: we've we've uh whale cord. Yes.
0: We have not yet determined what the next episode is gonna be. I think we do have at least a few more appendices left, correct?
1: There's some things we could do, but you know, I'm in no hurry to do them. None of them are like particularly none of them are timely the way the uh I'd argue the twenty nineteen uh musical <laughs> Dick was. And, you know, we've got other projects we want to get to as podcasters. So, y- you know, yeah. Uh, so... Puts finger by side of nose.
0: Yeah. So the uh, next time. Well, I thought we
1: were just going to be cryptic about it.
0: Well, I was just going to say that the next time you hear us, it might be a slightly different vibe, I suppose.
1: How's that for cryptic? Slightly different subject. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right. But yeah, no, cryptic cryptics. Good. Nice and cryptic. We are the sphinx, the uh, the severed head of the whale, et cetera. i mean hopefully not that'd be quite gory but it's the most cryptic thing in moby dick
0: yes definitely uh you know what um queequeg's tattoos also
1: oh yeah no you're right yeah no there's there's that queequeg's tattoos those two things are probably the bit where queequeg's tattoo queequeg is looking at his tattoos and looking at the head and uh trying to maybe find a resemblance the most cryptic moment in moby dick yes like, in terms of the, the narrative explicitly telling us that it's super cryptic.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: or wait, was he doing that with the Oh, doubloon? no, he yeah, it was, it was the doubloon.
0: It was the doubloon. He was trying to use the tattoos as an interpretive okay, so framework for the doubloon. Which makes sense because they contain a, a complete mm. philosophy of the world, right?
1: Yes, or he was trying to use the doubloon as a way into understanding that, you know, absolute knowledge of the world, which is, uh, uh, yes. you know, he is unable to access himself.
0: That would but, also make you sense. You know,
1: I just realized that this, this means that Queequeg is, in a certain sense, the same character as Vinculus from Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell.
0: I do not remember that character, and we should not spoil Jonathan Strange uh, and Mr. Norrell on this podcast. <sighs>
1: It's a good book. It is. It is not in any way a Moby Dick, but it is a good book. Yeah. Uh,
0: Maybe we could talk about it uh, some other time. Huh? Do you get (laughs) what (laughs) I'm hinting (laughs) at? Uh,
1: I mean, I guess... I do, but I don't know if that's a... I I don't know how much that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You know, we can talk about it. All right, but... We can scheme off mic.
0: Okay. But uh, until until then... um, should I should yep. I say it? Should I do the outro?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: Uh, what tune is it you pulled to, man? Please.
1: Uh, well, there's Leviathan, Call of the Red <laughs> of the Sea. Uh, there's a cantata. There's a uh, was a concert. Uh, con- you uh, know, conservato. there's a specific there's, answer I um, um, was looking for. You little so and so. Okay, okay. Do we want to try that again? <laughs> What
0: tune is it you really pull to, Ben?
1: A dead whale or a stove boat?
0: (sighs) Great.